Welcome everyone to Invested, a limited series by Behind the Human and KPMG High Growth Ventures. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the minds of early stage investors to surface actionable insights for founders and startups to mentally and financially thrive. There's a lot more noise in the media than the actual pain that's on the ground. If you're playing the infinite game, just trying to figure out how the game gets bigger and more exciting and how do I get more people involved and how do I build a movement around it and how do I get other people telling the same story and how do I tell their story and how do I make sure this just goes on for decades until we've made some real impact in the world. That just becomes an incredibly exciting frame. Today, I'm speaking with Phil Morrill, a partner at Main Sequence Ventures, Asia Pacific's largest deep tech venture capital firm. I just, I just want to know what lights you up about working with founders. Um, I, I think I'm a person that likes to make new things. I love a blank canvas of any kind and mm. a, the smell of opportunity in the air or the smell of something uh creative and interesting and valuable and and then doing the work with people that also love doing that work to materialize it and bring it to life and um you know occasionally i've tried to do other things or even as an investor i try and do some later stage work um but in the end i just come back to i like having nothing and turning it into something and I love working with founders because that's what they love too. I love it. What would you say, just given what's going on in the world right now, the markets and so forth, where it's a bit, I mean, it's always uncertain for, I would say, for for founders and entrepreneurs in, in some degree, but now more than ever, there's a lot of uncertainty in the markets or there's there's a lot of disruption and, and, and whatnot. So is there, like if you had to summarize the state of of what founders are working with right now, in one word, like what, what's the one word that comes to mind for you? Uh, normal. Normal. Tell me about that. Okay. I, I think, didn't expect that. I think that there's a lot more noise in the media than the actual mm. pain that's on the ground. I think normal for a founder is conditions of extreme uncertainty yeah. and Everything that we do in our work is designed to work within that context. And so really nothing's different. There are different kinds of uncertainty which have emerged in recent months. Uh, But it's always hard. It's always existential for a founder. No one wants our company when we start it. No one knows it's even a thing or that it should exist or that there's a problem to solve. No customers want to take our call or answer our email um, and then there's just that just gets slightly better over time as we try to build the company. But in the end, it's conditions of extreme adversity every yeah. single day that we're working against. And there's just some new things now. You know, I, I just a, a quick story, if, if I may. There's um, yeah. when we were uh, running Pollinizer, which was Australia's first uh, startup incubator about 15 years ago. There was, in those days, a lot of hesitancy to join startups. 
this is why we created Pollinizer as a way to get startups happening because no one would work for a startup. There were no support for startups. There was no money for startups. And one of the things people would say to me frequently is, you know, I just need a little bit more certainty in my life. <laughs> and at the time we were, we were resident near the big Yahoo offices in Sydney who had a great okay. big wharf in, in, uh, in Sydney on the harbour there. And I'd kind of point down to, to that office and we knew most of the people there because we'd sold a company to them. And I said, well, even though we're working in startups and it's incredibly volatile and the money comes and the money goes and we're responding all the time to, to, to new conditions, we've been here all the time and that whole building has churned like people have been made redundant and people have left and the, the whole building has just been, you know, been extremely volatile. But you think down there is where it's stable and up here is where it's volatile. The, the difference is up here in startup land, we're just reacting and we can and we have that agency. And down there, someone in another office is making a decision on your, your future. And uh, mm. <laughs> so startups aren't as volatile as they, as they seem to be. Um, because we have the agency to, you know, to, to respond. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it, what comes to mind is just perspective and, and potentially perspective shift. If, you know, you're getting caught up with uh, a lot of the media and the headlines and so forth, which is like really anything in, in life. You get these, if you fire up the news, I, I mean, it's usually not a good, <laughs> a good way to start any day. It doesn't matter what you're doing, what you're working in and so forth. So, I mean, I, I guess, my question then, Phil, would be, what advice do you give uh, to, to your founders, your portfolio companies and whatnot um, to not get, you know, like how, how to manage some of that noise so that, you know, they can stay focused? Because I remember that's that's one characteristic I believe you you identified in, in the kind of pre-survey for this, this, uh, this series was a mentally fit founder. One of the highest characteristics you mentioned was the ability to stay focused in some capacity. Yeah. So, I think, yeah, I, I think um, you have to be you have to stay focused on what you're doing. And 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 I think a, a strong center for that is the assumption that it's going to fail unless you act and then have some kind of mental loop, not an obsession, not a negative obsession, at least not something sure. that's gonna make you um, uh afraid but something that you th you think about every day and you don't you don't believe your own hype you kind of you're constantly questioning you're constantly looking at a kind of sensory network that you have out there you're speaking to the right people you're asking genuinely open questions and then importantly you're synthesizing them yourself in your own mind i think i think one of the problems that founders can get into is they they do the first part of my advice there, which is listen to people, and mm -hmm. then they become kind of subsumed by this noise of conflicting ideas. Um, because one thing I've learned for sure as someone that's been working with startups for years is for every piece of advice, there's some counter advice, which is equally true. So, um, yeah, and so, so, true. Um, so what founders need to do is really, is, is really have this process of synthesis to to think about well what does that what does that mean to me has anything changed today 
is there a new threat that I need to pay attention to? Or indeed, is there a new opportunity that I can lean into and I need to move now so I'm first mover here and I, and I get that advantage? And and it's having the sort of dexterity to 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 move and um, and react to to things that are going on around you. The, the startup's great advantage is their is their velocity, which is something that that larger organizations can't do. They mm-hmm. may have more firepower, but we have more velocity and we can react. And so the mental the mental loop is is sort of is how to see those things and synthesize them. How, how I do that is I have a, you know, I have a sort of, I have a daily habit. I get up early in the morning, usually in the dark. I have time to myself. I have a sort of journaling habit where I have yeah. some questions that I ask myself. I have certain disciplines around just checking all the things that happened yesterday and so forth. And I just keep, mm-hmm. I just keep, um, I often describe my world as being lots of plates spinning and that that's the, the anxiety is one of those plates will, will drop before I decide to take it off the top of the pole and put it down carefully on the, okay. the side. Um, but those plates, those metaphorical plates are the sensory network. They're just all these things that are lines of inquiry experiments with the startups things which need to be read and understood and sure um um and it's just sort of finding some way of managing that noise drinking from the fire hose and and then having the time to synthesize it so it becomes yours and you're in control of it well in creating that yeah creating that space for our minds especially early in the morning is just so valuable just some so, you know cuz you're coming into this interview uh, on the series uh, invested uh, together with KPMG and high growth ventures but it, this it's actually dropping on the behind the human podcast which is a podcast that started out of a journaling app that we created about five years ago so I'm definitely gonna ask you a few more questions on your journaling practice because a lot of the, the listeners uh, on this show are um, have these practices in place or they'd like to start them and I find the prompts, are, are usually very inviting to help people get started or even reframe, right? So I'd love to know, Phil, some of the prompts that are are consistent in your practice and or any that are, you know, that have, been, have provided big shifts for you. The, the biggest shift for me has been uh, becoming a Rome Research user. I don't know if you're familiar with no, that, no. that software. Um, but Rome Research is one of these new pieces of software that are called a, a tool for thought. Um, okay. There's Rome Research, there's Obsidian, um, and there's a few others. Um, but it, if you if you picture it in your mind, it's like a bulleting journal. Yeah. Um, but it's a smart bulleting journal that you can also script and things like that. And if you create a uh, – you can make uh, two-way links in there. So, for example – um, if I have a meeting with Mark, I can put these special square brackets around it and it straight away sort of hyperlinks everything into the Mark record, mm. which is really great in my world as someone trying to synthesize all these ideas. It means I just have yeah. to do that and it hooks it back into this soup of other information about Mark. But what, in terms of the prompts, what's exciting about it is 
you can script it with this technology called Smart Blocks. So I literally run a command, I run a startup routine first thing in the morning, which basically dumps down my day. It pulls in from my calendar. It asks me questions to get me focused on the day. Um, It does things like uh, it's even got a checkbox. This is this gives you a sort of an, an idea about how my mind works. I was going to say, you're not, you're not a past CTO or anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a checkbox that says start playlist because, okay. because I have, I have real difficulty focusing. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, I'm a real procrastinator and a mind wanderer and a tab skipper and, um, which I guess comes with the territory. If you're spinning all these plates and making all these inquiries, you're gonna you're gonna end up there. So you've got to sort of figure out how to get get your focus back. So that start playlist link is uh, or checkbox is really important to me because I still rationalize to myself first thing in the morning. Bill, you just want the peace and quiet of the morning. Just sort of sit there for a while and sort of take it all in and just see see what's happening in the world. But then. I find myself 40 minutes later having not done something. I've checked the news, I've looked at Twitter, or I've gone off on this little drift into somebody's thread. Sure. And um, and by the way, that's valuable to do sometimes. But I just realize about myself that I haven't sort of triggered the habit that gets me into the zone. And all I have to do is put my headphones on, press play in Spotify, and I come into the to the focus sort of state of mind that I need to be in and, and off I go. And then the same thing happens with the sort of various questions that I ask myself about the day, things that I remind myself um, about what I need to do to sort of keep my mindset where I want it yeah. to be. Yeah, so I have, little, your mind. I have little prompts around the place around um, reminding myself to play the infinite game, which is something that I'm that's really important to me. Uh, I, I have another one which I sort of put in front of my face at key times uh, where I say yes and, which is mm. this whole thing of not saying but to people and try to, because, you know, so much of my world is, um, you know, people trying to bifurcate things and say this is good and that is bad. And even me sort of being an expert sometimes coming in, realizing that I can, I can, um, I can accidentally be overcritical of someone's idea by saying the word but because I'm saying but you're wrong here's how we do it rather than and here's here's something else we can do as another layer or another perspective or another way of doing it so just reminding myself to use different kinds of language but they're just two examples of how I sure just try and you know flow my mind into where I prefer my mind to be well it's just it's a Thank you for sharing all, all the details. It's a beautiful way to start the day. And it, it, it to me, it comes right back to the focus again. And, and especially what we're talking about with founders, like if you can have, and for us, clearly journaling is a big one. I mean, we definitely have an overlap there, synergy, but there's there are so many other me, what I call mental fitness practices that you can tap into that for the most part, get you to the same place of, heightened self-awareness and helping clear out some of that mental clutter. So then you can be focused because you notice when you're off the focus and you're, you're scattered and you're, you're, you know, you're jumping around and so forth. Um, so how have you seen this play out? Like, have you had any of these conversations with founders specifically 
are they doing any of this or um you know is any advice for anyone a founder listening saying you know that sounds like something that uh that i need to be doing or I should try at the very least yeah we we spend a lot of time with our founders talking about these kinds of things generally it's quite responsive to what they specifically need. Um, different sure. founders sort of work in in different ways, and I find that's a that's a that that in itself is a real art in my work in venture capital. Is how do you how do you kind of have a library of best practice that can come in front of founders at the time that they need it, uh, and you know not. It, and avoid founders sort of reinventing a wheel that's actually been, you know, tested and proven over a, a long period of time. But also, how do you respond to what they need so you don't kind of put them through startup school every day, regardless of what their past experience is? Yeah. Um, so, so you know, we spend we spend a lot of time uh, bringing different subgroups of the founders together so that they can all learn from each other. Um, we're as an example of something we're doing at the moment we're bringing together a very small group of the people that are chairing uh some of our company's boards because what we've realized now is that that has become a new sort of pressure point where chair people are organizing a group of very very egotistical often uh Vested people, obviously, often a lot of investors that have put in tens of millions of dollars into a company or big corporate strategic shareholders in in companies and founders. So there's a kind of there's a there's a tension coming into mm. a board meeting that I think anyone that's sat on boards kind of understands and founders understand. And it's it's how do we, um, you know, how, what what's the playbook there? I mean, you know, sure. it's like there's no there's no training on that. It's like you've just got to show up and say, hey, everyone, agenda item number one, and somehow magic happens. The right decisions get made in the right order. But then there's all this dark matter, which is the emotional dynamic, people being worried about things collapsing, the, the actual hope that somebody has, which is different to somebody else's. And so what we what we do, which is typical of how we work with different founder groups, is is now sort of create a forum, if you like, of those people that can come together and learn okay. from each other and where there'll be discussion topics around common, common but actually not commonly discussed aspects of what happened in these situations so that they can learn from each other, understand that it is normal, actually. It's not just you that has this, this sort of, you know, uh, frightening moment every month with a with a yeah. company that everybody has it, and then here's how we all deal with it, and here's what we do, and um, that's 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 probably across all the the founder uh, activity we do. That's probably that's probably the most important thing. It's just knowing that others have the same experience, and sure. that others also worry about it. And then actually there are some things that they do, which actually they're quite, they're quite interesting and I can, and I can take those things on. So that's, that's, that's a big thing that we do. Well, and just, I, I imagine just, it, it must provide an element of confidence for those founders participating or anyone that, that that's sitting in those board meetings, because as you, as you mentioned, 
you know, the first, we're not alone. You know, it's not just us going down this solo journey, but then having some insight to go in, like, okay, well, we've talked about a situation like this. Like I, I have what it takes to, to handle this if it comes up, for example. Are you noticing this is, uh, is this, uh, I know you, you mentioned the market or the startup environment's kind of normal, but still I imagine even the people that are sitting on the boards, I mean, they're, they're affected by the media as well and so forth. So are you seeing heightened pressure when it comes to some of these board meetings right now? Yeah, I think so. I think um, there's, there's, everyone's very focused on the financial environment and making sure that we, um, we have a strategy in the company which doesn't expect that just to be magically back to normal, whatever normal is in a year or yeah. so. So assume it's bad and then, and then make sure our strategy works in that environment. And that's the extent to which there is more pressure because it's one of those moments where we're needing to reflect upon the world we thought we had and pivot into a world that we now think we've got <laughs> uh, yeah. and, um, and then sort of change some things which were that, which may have been underway and how do we kind of move to this, this new, this new world and how do we do that in an aligned way? And this, this is a, you know, this is a big one as well. There's no, um, if, if, if we do this job badly and a percentage of the people who are a driving force in a company quietly perhaps don't agree, mm-hmm. but they've just kind of yielded to the pressure of the majority, then uh, it creates this kind of drag. It creates lead boots for the whole organization yeah. and we haven't done the job properly. So it's not it's not just about getting every, it's not so much about getting everyone to agree. It, it's 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 going to be the situation that that yeah we never get a hundred percent agreement but we should have a hundred percent alignment sure <laughs> there yeah should be, there should be there should be uh conf- where like where i like to be is if i if i disagree i like to get to the point where i also have the faith in the people that have the other view Sure. I, I disagree with you based on my experience, but let's go because we yeah. have to keep moving and let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I want to first thank you for listening to this limited series and let you know if you're looking for more insights and resources designed specifically for startups and scale ups, we've got you covered. Head over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Now back to the show. Before I move on from this topic, it's just I think it's 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 critical at this this stage, and I imagine there's a lot of people that are in this exact position. Uh, are there any best practices coming out of some of your forms that you're seeing so far that are you know general enough that you can share? Because uh, I obviously realize there's, you know, every company, every every board's probably different in its own way. But yeah, anything anything that 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 pops in your mind that you could share? I think I think one of the the big questions is how do we how do we look at ourselves through the lens of the company? 
and what the company needs. It's very easy as a founder to get into the mindset of founder equals CEO of company. Mm. And as the company grows, that CEO needs to be the best CEO in the world for that company and do everything that that company needs to do. And it's a difficult topic because it is an affront on the ego of the of the founder, which is probably significant because that's how they've ended up being a founder. Um, I, I think ego is a good thing. Like ego is, uh, yeah, is just having a a sort of conviction to sort of build a company around yourself and something you believe in mm-hmm. is a is a currency and a force behind a startup which which makes it happen in a in a in a way that it wouldn't otherwise happen but that same characteristic becomes challenging as a company grows and somebody who founded the company is in a ceo seat they can't separate the role of founder and the role of ceo they feel more and more pressure almost certainly they're becoming bad at a whole series of things that the CEO of that instance of the company now needs to do. And it becomes frightening. You start yeah. to lose your sense of um, uh, control, lose your sense of um, uh, um, being good at, at, at what you do. And then, then I think you've got a choice, which is, how do I learn these new skills? Who do I need to learn them from? Where do I need to go? How do I accelerate that journey? And also the question, do I want to learn those skills? Is it, is it where I am excellent? Is it what I love doing? And then in that context, understanding that in no way does any move that you make at that point stop you being the founder. You'll always be the founder. You will always mm-hmm. have an important position sort of carrying the flame of that company um but in some cases you may even have to step down and bring in another ceo of the company you are still the founder of um so that the company is better and you are happier and the best people in the right seats and certainly what you have to do is bring in other people over time who are starting to do some of the key things that you've been doing so that you're scaling the company. And I think that is that is one of the most difficult and important jobs for a founder to do is how how do you scale yourself into the future org chart of the company? Um, and, um, and as you do so, truly give those new people the agency to do it and not sort of try and hold on to everything. So this, this, so I suppose the summary of all this is that co- the common conversation is the fa- the egotistical founder at the beginning standing alone, founding a company, but then that company getting bigger, busier and successful, needing other people to come in, maybe one day actually becoming not the CEO now. And that whole mm-hmm. journey is incredibly stressful and incredibly difficult. And it's how do you, how do you, how do you navigate? How do you notice the pressure points? How do you make a decision on what to do next? Well, that was going to be my question because I, I mean, the, the the prompts that you provide are such high quality prompts and great questions. But it strikes me you have to be 
quite reflective or self-aware to even have some of those questions, uh, you know, surface in the, in the first place, or at the very least have someone in your corner that's asking you those questions and slowing you down. Cause I, I feel like that's what I see. And, and as a, as a two time, I guess, two time founder on this side, even my, and I have the mental fitness practices and tools, even for myself, I find it hard to just, whoa, wait a second. You can, it's so fast. It's so easy to get caught up on autopilot, right? And and just in the flow of things. And there's so many moving parts, obviously, and you're doing everything you can to keep the, the company alive and thriving and so forth. So I, I guess, have you noticed any, like, do you ask these questions of your of your founders or do you suggest you know quarterly check-ins with themselves and the team like what's the best way to practically fire up these these reflective practices or or prompts i i think um it's just having the forum for it to happen and at the yeah and, and making sure you've got that asking yourself that question where does this happen for me um, and, mm-hmm. um, I think that's important. I, I, I remember when, when Polonizer wrapped up my prior company, I remember sort of doing my own reflection on the last six months. And I, and I realized I was, I had been extremely stressed during that time. Um, but I was completely not aware of it. So I was just doing the work. I was just putting putting the hours in, doing what had to be done uh, during what was obviously a very stressful time at the end of a company's life. Um, but that was an interesting observation for me that I didn't notice because I, I and I guess this is the risk of uh, yeah what we're calling mental fitness on this call. You can use your mental fitness uh, discipline to mask what Mm. could be a a growing um you know emotional deficit that you're that you're you know that you're building um if you have forums where somebody says how does it feel when dot 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 or um does anyone have a story where this happened so it could be in a group forum uh sure a small group it doesn't work very well in enormous groups, obviously, or many founders have coaches or mentors that they work with. Um, In my career, I've always tried to find a mentor that um, is uh, somebody that wants to learn from me and I want to learn from them. So usually we've been in a slightly different situation. Obviously, I'm in the investing and startups world. I'll often take a mentor that's yeah, the CEO of a, of a larger company. And then I can kind of, you know, we yeah. can, we can just sit down together and, and talk about these kinds of things, um, and get genuine insight from each other. Um, mm. and have that as a really valuable part of our day. Never, never feel, I think an important thing about these forums and, and mental relationships is, both parties or all parties should feel like it, they're gaining something from the session Yes, that someone's giving, you know, I'm giving you my expertise and my wisdom. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're actually trying to understand something which is common to, to both of us, uh, by kind of meeting and meeting in the middle. And, 
you know, the the final point on that, Mark, is 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 what I think it's really easy when we have these sessions to only ask questions about the technical job of, for example, being a founder or a CEO or something, and not saying how does it feel or um, you know what happened to you when and um, yeah where did you fail and you know questions mm-hmm. that that flush out that you know that kind of inquiry about yeah where where it could be broken inside and where you sort of find a way find a way through it and I find that's a that's a huge thing in in main sequence we have yeah we have a an apprenticeship program effectively as new as new investors come in uh, we sort of take them through a, a a process through the through the firm um, and when we began, it was a very technical sort of training process with you know, all the things you have to do as an investor, you know, be good at term sheets, you know, know how to go and find a good deal, you know, know how to lead a deal, know how to be on a board, blah, blah, blah. But what, what we realized is that we were completely missing this equivalent of, of, the, of, the, the, of the founder challenges. So what are the emotional things? What, what happens when a founder asks for help and you give them some help and they completely ignore you. You know, how do you feel about that? What do you do? Um, And what, what are other people's stories? What, what have they done to actually sort of help understand what to do? So it's make, make, make sure you have the forum for those questions to be asked of you and you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. answering them and exploring yourself. I love that. I mean, I wrote down prioritizing forums to have reflective dialogue yeah, And whether you're a founder, startup, really anyone, I mean, to prioritize that kind of practice in your life with, to your point, with people that everyone's gaining something in, in those conversations, it's just so incredibly valuable, just even for the pause, right? And then, and then in that stillness and those good questions, then ideas spark, you know, uh, things that, patterns start to surface and so forth. I mean, it's very, very similar to what you're doing individually in the morning, essentially for Mm. your journaling practice. Uh, And this is just another way to, to do that and and learn from others. Uh, I I love that. Yeah. I think stories are a a very powerful medium. And um, I did, I was in the entrepreneurs organization for a while, you know, where the, yeah, you, you're put through a kind of training regime for how to behave in forums. And I, you know, learned this gestalt method that, that, that they talk about there, which is just so valuable where you tell a story. So, so somebody says, here's a problem I'm having. And then others tell stories that they think of around that problem, Mm, but they don't end the story with. So what you should do is. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yes, and uh, and I, I, which which is always my first instinct. I have to say, it's very hard for humans to yeah. not say, "Here's why I told you that story." Because what I think you should do are these three things. Because what happens is you hear the story, and you apply it to your own context, and you think, "Wow, that's interesting." And I could do this, and I could do that, and here's a thought for me. And I know, yeah, and you, the whole synthesis starts to happen. Um. And then as soon as they end it with, and so what you should do is these three things, it just, it just ruins it for you. It's like, you've just, yeah. my, you've just 
made my situation sound much more simple than it is. You've kind of belittled it a little bit by trying to collapse mm-hmm. it into your world. And I'd already solved it in my head. I didn't need you, but the story was great. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's powerful. I mean, I'm in a um, I'm in a men's group, which which actually started with that journaling app that that myself and my co-founder had founded. Um, and we were introduced to, to men's work as well, and they were part of the app and so forth. But as that business was actually exploding a, a couple of years uh, down the road, in a good way and a bad way, I mean, we had at that time reached nearly 90 million people with this app, but at the same time, the business, actually one of the points you brought up, uh, I at least fell for our own, our own hype at that point. In the background, the business model wasn't working. And it, it took longer for us to get to that realization. And eventually, um, we had to shut it down because of that. But that men's group was so valuable in that time. And it was ex- it was exactly what you mentioned. I mean, we weren't, the, the, the group on the other side or the guys on the other side wasn't about saying, hey, you should do this. It was more so listening to what was happening in my realm and provide a story that there might be some insight there and if I ask for it, well, can you give me some advice on this? And it's completely yeah. different context, right? Completely. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I and I and I love your story about your company because this is what what's different about your emotional well being if you if you engage with that company as though the the failure is the norm unless you do something about it. And I think I think it changes it profoundly. If you if you assume it's going to succeed and that it isn't succeeding yet, you're in this constant fear of, mm-hmm. of the collapse. If you assume that no one wants it, and my job is to go into work every day and just try and find the valuable product market fit that that is going to make the sustainable version of this thing happen, then that's just what you do. It's it's like it's like yeah you know, that's, that's your job. It's like being a plumber and going and finding pipes to, to, to fix. And, um, and it, you know, we had this discipline in, in Polonizer, which I always valued profoundly, which was the, the sort of quarterly or half yearly end of the line meeting where you actually okay. sat down with the sort of leaders of the, of the company and said, should we continue? Have we have we found the way forward? Have we found product market fit? Um, because you know we're all we're all smart people. We can be doing valuable things in the world. Are we in the right place? And um, yes. and the answer was, you know, it was yet in Polonizer. It was yes for nine years. Yes, enough to continue. But actually, in the the in the final year, we ran three experiments. So we did it as a company. So at the time there were about 15 people in the company. I brought them all together. We 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 described the situation as we saw it and the concern was not problem solution fit, which we had. That's what always fueled us. We were clearly valuable to the people that we were doing our work with. But who pays us every day in a sustainable way so that our business dynamic isn't just shoveling coal into the locomotive every day, kind of, you know, just hard, hard, hard work. No, no money where we, yeah, while we sleep in Polonizer and just how do we, how do we find that sustainable version? And we, 
as a whole group, we said, well, let's do these experiments. And if they fail, we will shut down Polymizer. If they succeed, we will continue. And what that meant is we all had agency in that context of earning the right to continue. Mm. There were no people in a, in a room somewhere having a shadowy meeting, deciding about redundancies and things like that. It was just, have we nailed it yet? Possibly, possibly not. Here's the experiments that will prove one way or the other. Let's go hard at those experiments together with agency, with power, with transparency, and see what happens. And in the event, they failed. And so we shut down the company. But it wasn't sad, really. It was the right choice. And everyone knew it, and everyone could see it coming. Well, because you had those conversations, it's... uh... So, I mean, I remember the, the question I asked and I was left this, this question at one point by Scott Belsky from at the time he was running Behance that was uh, acquired by Adobe. And this is the question I had come back to. Is, do, I have, do I have as much passion and conviction for this company and, and the product that we're creating that, that I did when it first started? Do I have that now? And the hard truth was no that somewhere mm. along the lines had lost, um, not for the, cause I'm still in the space. Um, but it was just that product and what we we're creating there. So that, that was, it was challenging to hear that, but I think like what, what listeners are probably hearing in this conversation, I mean, you're, you're, you're dropping so many valuable questions. You know, the, the faster we can be honest with ourselves with for any of the answers of these questions, I mean, the better any everyone is in the situation, right? You know, we're clear, we're not, you know, we're not wasting time, resources, climbing the wrong mountain, we can adjust, swing to the next one and, and you know, direct our energy to the, the right place. And all of this, whether it's forms, questions, mental fitness, you know, running these experiments seem to be coming to a similar theme, which... Uh, so I could talk to you for hours, Phil. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> go for it. Well, this just was responding to what you're saying there. I think there's one of the things I love seeing, you know, now I'm in my 50s. I, I, yeah, I've seen lots of people go through sort of common experiences through their life. And what I love, and I'm hearing it from you here, is that actually everyone does what they do all the time, like throughout their whole life. So what, so what, what you're great at, Mark, you, you, you do all the time. And for a while you were doing it with this startup, with this product, this journaling product, and you thought that was how it was going to manifest and kind of, um, and really sort of unlock value and share that value with other people. And then give you that feedback loop of, yes, I'm doing the most, my most valuable work in the world. Mm-hmm. And the frustration you're kind of feeling is it's not actually it wasn't landing as you would hoped. And then what you've done is you've kind of reflowed your life, and then you're you're finding a way to do what you're great at in another context. And I think every human does that. Um, and again, it comes back to to this idea of you know assume it's not going to work, and then make the work you know what it takes to 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 bring it to life. 
and then mm-hmm. be comfortable when, oh, that one didn't work. I'm going to flow it off somewhere else, and that'll be better because I'll still want to, I'll still do what I'm great at, but I'll, maybe I've found a better forum for it then. Um, and, um, I think this is an important thing for young people to understand as well. This whole idea of there is no job for life. Uh, you, you, you may join a startup and the startup fails, or you may go and try yourself out somewhere and it doesn't work and you have to go on to do something else. If you, if you accept that that's normal, it's terrific. It's like, yeah, jump into life. Pressure for sure. Yeah. 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 Oh. Amazing. I, I absolutely love it. I'm just, I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I wish it could continue forever. Um, but I want to respect your, your, your time. And, you know, I'm going to finish with a question about questions since we, this has been the themes. It's just, you know, are there any questions that we're not asking our founders right now that we should be? Oh, wow. That is a, that is a good question. Um, because I feel like I spend my whole day asking founders every question. I can. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, um, or do you maybe even re- to rephrase it to make it a little bit easier since you are, are asking those questions, just industry-wide things that you see are being missed in terms of the, the questions that would be really helpful for, for founders right now? I think... Um, the the question that well how about this one Here, this is my new question uh, okay. that I'm asking a lot which I find has reframed much of what I do and the relationships of the founders and that's are you playing the infinite game and I'm a I'm a recent discoverer of the idea of the infinite game uh, but I find it's uh, it's an unlock code for uh, doing great exciting work um but it's this idea that uh rather than playing the game of life or the game of startups to win to compete to be the champion um you play the game to keep the game underway and what Mm. that means is you you need to have a perspective on what the game is um which is sort of a lifelong mission um and being done i.e winning isn't good enough because it's a termination point where it's over and which means it's probably too small and not as impactful as it could be um and again sort of puts you in this mindset of have i won have i lost am i good am i bad um whereas if you're just constantly saying how do i how do i get to this point in the distance and how do i you know, having got to a point of success, a kind of waypoint, how do I now open it up? And it goes to how how we're working with each other as a as a community as well. I have a big belief in this idea of radical collaboration, and I think so often founders get into a modality of secrecy and yeah. uh, not telling people what they're doing and wanting to to be in stealth mode and things this this happens especially in my world in deep technology sort of science driven companies and in almost every instance they're just making their world harder and smaller and less abundant with opportunity if you're playing the infinite game 
just trying to figure out how the game gets bigger and more exciting and how do I get more mm-hmm. people involved and how do I build a movement around it and how do I get other people telling the same story and how do I tell their story and how do I make sure this just goes on for decades until we've made some real impact in the world. Yeah. That just becomes an incredibly exciting frame uh, that uh, that that can be answered in many ways, I guess, by founders of different shapes and sizes. It's a beautiful question, a great, a great reframe that for me at least, the way I take that is just puts you, you know, in, in more of a focus mode of some of those micro wins and, and micro moves on the board that ultimately stack up and compound into to your point, I guess, the infinite game, right? And I imagine too, I mean, the other the big theme with that would be relationships in, in general, right? And Absolutely. and nurturing long term quality relationships. Uh, almost nearly impossible not to do that with that mindset. So yeah, and I think that's you know that's another lovely thing that I uh, you know I'm so proud of again in my fifties, just kind of looking back and seeing this kind of collection of people who I have worked with for years in all kinds of different jobs. It's, isn't it interesting how when you see people that just value the relationship they have with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the the actual employed relationship has been different in many different ways over the decades in some cases, but actually you know what you do for each other and you value that relationship and you find ways of sort of pulling each other through life in an, in an exciting way. And, um, yeah, re- relationships slingshot each other to the next stage, don't they? And, oh, uh, they do. Um, and they're incredibly valuable. They, and the, you know, the, I think the theme that's gone throughout this this session today has been the 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 stuff that drags people forward, that keeps them whole, that 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 you know keeps them excited. Um, it's 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 soft stuff. It's not. It's uh, it's relationships. It's conversations it's questions around how do you feel it's it's uh it's it's the hard stuff is kind of the you know the technicalities of work are the table stakes you you Mm -hmm. you need to do that but then how do you you know how do you play the infinite game well you do that with relationships you do that with uh you do that of stuff yeah well, Phil, I mean, I'm, I, for one, am happy and grateful that you are uh, a bright light in this community and you're out doing your thing, staying true to, to your work and you as a person, because I can, I can tell even just in this conversation, there's a lot of people that are benefiting and uh, I imagine uh, on a really nice ride because of the, the lot of, uh, because a lot of the work that you, you're doing, which starts with a lot of the reflection time that I think you've prioritized for yourself. So thank you for a being on the show, but for a higher thank you for uh, your journey and your commitment to this uh, to this industry. It's beautiful. Thank you, Mark. I've had a I've had a really terrific time with you today. Well. Thank you for sticking around for the entire episode. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And again, for more startup and scale-up resources, swing over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Have a stunning day.